Welcome to the Association Advisor podcast. We're glad you've joined us for a conversation around best practices and leadership strategies for association professionals. I'm Kelly Clark. And I'm Katie Brown. On this episode, we're discussing the results of the 2020 Association Communications Benchmarking Report. This report, published by Association Advisor and Naylor Association Solutions, details the challenges and successes association communicators faced when producing their member communications. Over the course of nine years, more than 3,000 respondents have taken the survey, representing more than 100 industries. They've given us invaluable insight into how association staff manage their member communications, how often they publish, in what channels, and to which member groups. This year, we also added a number of questions specific to the COVID-19 pandemic and how it's affected associations since the spring. And we've brought Sarah Sane, Director of Content at Naylor, to explore in more depth what the benchmarking report says about the state of association communications in 2020. But first, a message from Naylor Association Solutions. Go beyond just reaching your members. Create powerful connections and compelling engagement with customized services from Naylor Association Solutions. Naylor combines 50 years of expertise creating engaging content with next-generation technology tools that help your association build touch points and resources that intrigue your members. We offer a comprehensive set of solutions, including communications, full-service event management, advertising, sponsorships and exhibit sales, career centers, online learning, association management, and association management software. Naylor has helped associations across more than 100 industries engage members through compelling content and user-friendly technologies. Get to know us better on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, or learn how your association can achieve more member engagement at Naylor.com. Sarah Sane, CAE is responsible for the overall strategy, leadership, and management of Naylor's content department. In her nine years with Naylor, Sarah has provided editorial consultation and content strategy for more than 30 associations across an array of industries. Today, she works closely with a select group of Naylor's association partners to plan, coordinate, and produce their print and digital communications. Sarah also serves as writer and managing editor of Association Advisor. She has a journalism degree from the University of Florida and is a certified association executive. Welcome back to the Association Advisor podcast, Sarah. Hi, it's really great to join you guys again now for the second time. I can't believe it's been a whole year. I know, us neither. Just in case anyone is new to the benchmarking report, give us some background on the survey and the report and how it came to be. Yeah, I'd love to. So the Association Communications Benchmarking Survey and Report is something that Naylor has done every year for the last nine years. We partner with uh, more than a dozen of the state allied societies to, to do this survey, to promote it out to as many associations as possible. This year, we did the survey a little bit earlier than normal because we wanted to make sure that we had a chance to ask as many questions related to COVID-19 as possible and really start to get a gauge of how associations were handling that big crisis that we've all been dealing with. Over the last nine years, we've had more than 3,000 respondents take the survey. So 
those respondents all come from a wide ranging group of associations that represent more than 100 different industries that gives us a very wide audience to take our results from. Most of those who take the survey are at the executive level within their associations, um, and they have a, an operating budget of more than a million dollars a year. So, so all of those respondents who, who take the survey each year get access to a, a plethora of online tools, including a best practices report card with results and recommendations that are specific to each individual's association uh, because these tools are so often underutilized. We've been mentioning them a lot this year and wanting to make sure that everybody is well aware of what they have access to. These are free resources available online and they're really good tools that associations can use to, to make their communications plan and look for areas of improvement. And what is the URL someone should type in if they want to access these tools and their report card? If someone wants to take the survey, you can go to communicationsbenchmark.nailer.com and they will be able to log into our dynamic platform that allows you to take the survey. You can also download the report at nailer.com forward slash benchmarking. Awesome. I want to go ahead and jump in and kind of start talking about this year's report. One of the hallmarks and my personal favorite uh, outcomes of the report is the way that it ranks and does a rank order of the top communication channels among associations and their members. How did this year's top five shape up, especially in comparison to years past? That's a really great question. I love looking at this ranking of communications channels every year as well. I feel like it gives you a really good idea of what is rising in popularity and, and what channels are, are maybe starting to be utilized less in the association community. This year, we included 38 unique channels in that list that could be ranked. We included all different types of events, print, digital, social media, uh, and other digital tools. Um, as in years past, which really was no surprise to us, even with everything going on in the world right now with COVID-19, traditional conferences and events still ranked up at the very top with 95% of our respondents saying that they consider live events to be very or extremely valuable. So that just goes to show that even with what we're dealing with in the market right now with not being able to gather and having to socially distance, live events aren't going anywhere. They're still very valuable to associations, to their members, to the, the businesses that support them in the various industries. So as soon as we come out on the other side of this, I, I think we're going to see a resurgence of those events, and they'll be stronger than ever. Print also is, is usually within our top five. Uh, last year, it was at the number three spot. This year, it's, it stayed there. It's steady. And I think that's a good description of print. It, it sometimes gets a bad rap, and you, know, you hear of its demise, but that's actually not the case. Associations and their members really find value in print. Um, it's one of those channels that is maybe less frequent. It's not posting something in print five times a day like you do on social media, but it has that quality over quantity. These are image pieces that associations pass around their office and share with each other. So they're still felt really valuable even in today's market. 
the one surprise in our top 10 this year, channel that made the biggest leap of all was webinars. And, you know, I really think that is driven by what's going on right now as well. Webinars have been a channel that associations have relied on to get out valuable information and education at that time when they weren't able to, to meet in person. So webinars left from the number seven spot last year up to the number two spot this year. So those are our top three. Um, and then rounding out that top five, we've got training and certification events, a very specific type of event that are, are very popular and really are vital in a lot of industries to keep, keep the industry moving forward and then annual meetings as well. So very event heavy in the top five. It's really not surprising that different types of events took up three of the top five spots in that ranking. I mean, associations are all about getting together to share issues and solve common problems. So it makes total sense that actually getting physically together to share knowledge and network and such um, ranks high for associations. I like what you said about print being a steady form of communication, even though we're a very digitally connected society these days. The printed word and printed visuals really are reliable. And I think in uncertain times, it doesn't surprise me that print is still holding very strong among association professionals, because even when events come back, even if digital communications become an even stronger, faster method of communicating than they are today, I think that print is going to stick around just as much as events and digital. Yeah, absolutely. I'll add that. You know, it's, it's those member magazines specifically that are in the top five. But when you look at the breakdown of all the different print channels that we ask about and that we, we ask for rankings on, all of them saw increases in their value over last year. So our respondents really, when they look at print as a whole, whether it's a magazine or a, a member directory or a white paper or a show guide for, a, for an event, they really find value in print in general. It's, it's not just one specific type. So that's really great news. And we did see the same thing in digital. You would almost expect to see as one fell, maybe another saw some gains, but that's not the fact. Both of them are on the rise, which just goes to show that associations are looking at a variety of ways to communicate. They're not putting, you know, all of their, their eggs in one basket. They're looking to find that balance between events, print, digital, so that they can meet their members in a number of different ways. Now, shifting over to the very loud, very obvious elephant in everyone's meeting room this year, COVID, you mentioned that this year's survey included a few questions related to how associations are handling the impacts of COVID to their member communications. What did people say? What does the new normal look like for association communicators right now? The biggest concern that, that we are hearing on the Naylor side, actually the two biggest concerns, but they really go hand in hand, are live events and when they'll be able to start up again, and then non-dues revenue and, and the potential drop in that that associations are really starting to see. So I'll start with events. It, in general, 80%, a fairly overwhelming number, have said that they are, are being challenged right now with attaining pre-COVID levels of attendance at their events, that same number is also being challenged with successfully turning those in-person events into virtual events. You know, we've, we've talked about webinars and how those saw this, this gigantic leap in their, their value this year more than any other communications channel, 
But virtual events is also one of those channels that we survey, and they really didn't see the big jump as well, which you maybe would have thought both of those would have seen a rise. So while associations have been able to pivot really quickly with webinars and, and have found the value there, virtual events are not quite seeing that same jump. Um, they've been a little bit more of a challenge for associations to adapt to, at least as quickly as they've had to. Now, when it comes to non-dues revenue, nearly three in four this year of respondents to the survey said that they expect difficulty maintaining their pre-COVID levels of advertising, sponsorship, and exhibit sales. We, we looked at all of those together. Three in five said that they expect lower NDR overall this year. And, and we, we even broke that down and, and we asked, okay, what percentage do you think your revenue is going to increase this year. And, and about half said they're looking at a decrease of somewhere in the 10 to 30% range. So, you know, when you're, you're looking at an association, maybe a statewide group, 10% of their budget, that's, that's pretty big. So it's really having an impact on association's budgets. And, and that's, that's something that is, is definitely a top concern. Yeah, it feels like no one is safe from this pandemic, including associations, which brings me kind of to my next question, which is the whole topic around ranking top communication challenges, which I am sure right now it's more challenging than ever because, you know, one of the primary ways even before the pandemic to communicate was by email or by social media or all of these platforms that I feel like the chatter on there has been exponentialized. What did the survey takers this year say were their top three challenges? That's one of my favorite things to look at as well, because it really gives us a gauge of what is keeping people up at night. And so for eight out of the last nine years that we've done the survey, combating information overload and, and cutting through the clutter is, is the top challenge again this year. Although I will say it's, it's really neck and neck with our second challenge, which is communicating member benefits effectively. Those two challenges ranked at 69% of respondents and 68% of respondents naming those challenges at the top, respectively. So they really are right up there at the top that, you know, cutting through the clutter, getting through when, when members are feeling fatigued by the amount of information coming at them. And then making sure that with all that your association offers, making sure that those benefits are really communicated effectively and that members know where to get that information, whether it's on your website or, or in various publications or at your events, making sure that members know where to go to get exactly what they need. Those two were at the top. Uh, our top five also include customizing for member segments and specific groups, um, engaging young professionals, facilitating member-to-member -member communication. But we did think of it as a bit of a bright spot in that 10 of our top 12 communication challenges this year either had a neutral change year over year or they saw improvements from last year. So while some of these challenges still seem very overwhelming to, to a large number of association professionals, we are starting to see movement in the right direction in a lot of different areas. And, and that really was, we thought, a, a, pos, a positive outcome this year. 
That is really good to hear. And I like that this survey offers a long-term look at how associations are dealing with challenges and not just how are they doing at a specific moment in time. Do you think the improvement in how associations are handling these challenges is due to better training and continuing education available in the association community? Do you think associations have just been grappling with these problems long enough now that they're finding more effective ways of meeting and overcoming them? Or do you think it's something else? I think it's both of those things and probably so much more. One of the great things about the association community is they're so willing to work together and share information that when a group finds something that works well, they, they are not shy about sharing that with their fellow association professionals. Resources like the benchmarking report and some of the other surveys out there in the market go a long way to educating staff members and executives about the direction ahead in. And then they can take that information and they can talk about it with some of their colleagues and, and find out what's working for them as well. And really that, that shared knowledge is what is I think moving a lot of associations in the right direction. This, you know, what we're dealing with with COVID, a lot of us have been saying, you know, we're in this together. And I think that's the way you should look at some of your communications as well. You're, you're not the only association out there trying to communicate with members. So take that, that idea of we're all in this together and how can we help each other and share information and use that mindset to to gather information and move yourself forward. Yeah. Now, going back to the top three communication challenges and specifically the one about customizing for member, member segments, there's some talk in the association community that segmenting members isn't enough, that associations need to personalize the membership experience on the individual level, not just personalizing for young professionals or certified executives or, and so forth. Does the data from the benchmarking survey support that? You know, it does. Uh, but we also understand that that can be a really overwhelming prospect for an association that maybe today is not segmenting for their members at all. So if, if you're not customizing communication for any specific group of members, even taking that step to segment your membership into new members and young professionals and maybe even past volunteers and, and board members and, and sending out a few unique communications pieces to those groups, that's a great first step. Um, but then our, our survey really does say it's time to start going further. And there are some really great tools out there to be able to do that now. Uh, AI, artificial intelligence based newsletters are a really great tool that are up and coming and are easy to use. Um, and they're also an, a new potential source for some non-dues revenue because you can tie advertising into those as well. That is a, a technology-driven platform that enables you to not only communicate with your members, but to tailor it down to the individual level. It's really accessible, even to an association that maybe hasn't done a lot of customizing before. Uh, there are also some advertising opportunities, including programmatic and retargeting advertising. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about programmatic and retargeting capabilities on previous podcasts. So if anyone listening now is interested in that, I would recommend checking out our podcast homepage on anchor.fm 
and searching for those episodes because um, Carrie Walter does a great job explaining what programmatic and retargeting is in more depth in those episodes. So something interesting that we saw in our initial reading of the benchmarking report is that for the first time in survey history, social media is the top tool to drive visitors to association websites. But respondents to the survey gave most social channels a lower than average mark for effectiveness. And only about one in three strongly agreed that social media ranks as a high priority for their organization. Why do you think this is? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Social media is has been a, a tricky communications channel to tackle for many associations. Part of that may be that there are, are so many channels available within that. There's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's LinkedIn. And it's hard for your association not to feel like you have to exist on every single social media platform because your members may be active on on some of them or all of them and you want to try to communicate with everybody so it's it's the real difficulty in knowing that you need to put resources into this this one specific area but knowing that it it also can take a lot of resources that you you may not have within your communications team uh, you know most most teams don't have someone who they can dedicate full time to social media. And there are some days where it feels like that's really what's needed to do it properly. Like you said, a lot of the social media platforms specifically that we looked at did see a decline in, in their perceived value. You know, Twitter decreased slightly as did Facebook, but LinkedIn and Instagram increased in their perceived value. So um, it's not necessarily that all of them are, are doing worse or all are doing better, but it's, it's more that associations are really starting to recognize where the best platform is to meet their members. And they're maybe focusing in on that specific channel, or they're doing some cross-promoting and, and repurposing across the different platforms to try to make their social media plans as effective as possible with the resources that they have. I think a lot of it too plays into what is the popular social media channels at the time. It would be really interesting five years from now to look back at this question and see if overall social media platform popularity played into the way that you received, you know, your answers year over year. Just because I think social media, even more so than other communications tools, are such a moving target. And it's been interesting to me to look at the benchmarking study over the years and see how associations have done a pretty good job of moving with that target. So it'll be funny, you know, when we go and talk about this, you know, three or five years from now, and we'll be talking likely about three completely brand new social media platforms. Okay, so moving away from social media, I'd like to now chat about this year, your report recommendations. Every year, I think you look at the entire report and then you make, what is it, like top five or, or 10 big recommendations for the year. Can you go over what those are for this year's report? Absolutely. Yeah, we give five top recommendations every year. And we, what we do is we look at all of the stats in general where things have moved from year to year, larger trends over the full scope of the nine years and the direction where things are headed. And we look for those similar threads running through the different areas of our survey. Um, and then we take that and we take 
Naylor's experience working with more than 1,800 different associations and, and what we hear really on the ground in the marketplace. And we come to some conclusions that we think are the, the best way to move forward in our quickly changing communications landscape. This year, our first recommendation was to embrace new and innovative ways to engage. That is nowhere near a new concept, but we really felt it was important because it's one that has an added level of urgency this year in the wake of the COVID pandemic, especially when you look at how quickly associations have had to pivot and try new things at a speed with which they likely haven't before, um, largely because there was no other option. It was very quick to transition to a remote team and a remote workforce or very quickly transition from in-person events to live events. And you really had to make decisions with a, a speed that you haven't before. So embracing that, you know, quick adaption at, or embracing that, that, you know, quick movement from one idea to the next and testing out new ideas and taking risks are, are really where most associations are going to have to go to be able to stay relevant right now. As a corollary to that, I think associations are going to have to embrace failing a little bit more. As you said, recently, we've all been forced to adapt to new ways of working and meeting. And because of that speed, some people and some organizations have had some mishaps I think as a whole, everyone has been very forgiving um, and giving everyone a lot of grace as we move forward. So I think as associations embrace new ways of engaging, I think they're also going to have to embrace the possibility of failure. But I think they should also know that they can get back up. And I think members and other stakeholders will be more forgiving in the future, too. I, I agree 100 percent. And I think one of the things that is coming out of this period that we're in right now is failure is being looked at in a very different way. Uh, it, it used to be that it was only negative connotations related to if you, if you failed at something, but the failure is looked at more now as a learning experience. And what can you take from that instance where, okay, things didn't go so great with this. Okay, we're not going to do that again. What can we learn from it and try something different? And I think that's where a lot of people and a lot of organizations are are headed these days. And that's that's a good change. So Yeah, I think so too. All right. So our second recommendation that we gave this year was to provide exceptional value in your content. Um, I'm Naylor's director of content, so of course this is a big area of passion for me. And we say it all the time at Naylor, and it, it's certainly worth repeating. It's not just about creating as much content as you can, it's about creating relevant content for your members and for your larger industry audience because as we know most associations are communicating with an audience far larger than just their membership many of them really are the voice of their industry your communications team can create content all day long for social media and print and digital but if it isn't the valuable content that your members are asking for and it, if it doesn't speak to the issues or the topics that they're talking about each and every day in their in their lives, in their professions, then it will likely go largely go unseen or unread. Uh, more than half of our survey respondents this year, I'll, I'll throw another statistic in there, 
said that they must do a better job of understanding why certain content resonates with their members. So um, that's an important statistic, I think, to, to really highlight the point that you have to know what, what your members want and then deliver on that through your content. What other recommendations did the report entail? Another recommendation we made this year is to make data-driven decisions. So whether you're wrestling with a, a challenge or, or weighing a potential opportunity, we really recommend that you get good data points from multiple sources before making any big decisions. Uh, don't rely solely on qualitative responses or feedback. It can be very tempting to do that, but what that often leads to is making decisions based on a, a small but, but very vocal group that may or may not represent the whole of your, of your audience. Uh, instead, we recommend you rely on data that your association has to be able to make fully informed decisions. Our fourth recommendation is don't take your advertisers, sponsors, and exhibitors for granted. I will say we talked at the beginning of one of the, the, the big challenges with COVID is gonna be the decline in non-dues revenue. So this area and this recommendation is really more important than ever. It's making sure that you're listening to your advertisers and your sponsors, making sure that you're delivering on the value and, and giving them a return on the investment that they're making in your organization and, and being willing to, you know, we've talked about customizing communications for members, but, but also customize your, your sponsorship packages and customize your advertising and work on a consultative basis to make sure that, that you're able to deliver the value that, that you've promised. And then the, the fifth and, and final recommendation that we made this year is for associations to really focus on what they do best and then outsource the rest. Today in particular, we are at a time where there are so many valuable vendors and partnerships out there Association pro professionals have long prided themselves on their ability to wear multiple hats. And in fact, that, that, that opportunity alone is, is why many get into the association space in the first place, because you have a wide variety of career experiences and, and knowledge that you can gain in this space, which is unlike any others. It, it attracts a lot of people to the profession, and, and I certainly include myself in that group. It, it, a real highlight of being able to work in the association market. But, you know, what half of associations are also telling us in the survey this year is that they also feel chronically understaffed. So you really need to be selective about how you're gonna spend your time and your budget each day. And then, you know, find what you do well and what you don't, find a vendor who specializes in that area, who really can, not only fill a gap for you, but allow you to focus on the things that you do really well, and then they can do their job really well um, at the same time, and it, it gets you to a better place overall. I completely agree. Those are all great takeaways from this year's report. Based on how things are going in the association world, and quite frankly, the world as a whole, with virtual meetings becoming more of the norm and more association professionals working remotely, what changes to the survey are you initially planning on next year? So I'm kind of asking for a spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure yet how we'll change specific questions, but what we look at every year is we talked largely about that, that ranking of 
communications channels. And we're going to look at, you know, what additional channels, is there something new in the virtual event space that we need to add beyond webinars and just very general virtual events? You know, is there something within that that we need to start looking at on its own? You know, maybe we need to start looking at hybrid events and where does that fall within the event space when you're looking at it as a channel? I think while live events are very popular, a lot of people are really recognizing that there is also value in being able to connect with people who can't or maybe don't have the budget, don't have the time, have other conflicts and just aren't able to travel to your event. Many events, you know, ASAE in particular just had their annual meeting and they had their highest attendance they've ever had. And it really opened the door to a lot of attendees who had never been able to go to that show. So I think associations are going to want to find a way to balance bringing back those, those live events that are, are at the cornerstone of, of the value that they provide to their members and their industry, while also staying in front of this new audience that they've been able to get in front of for maybe the first time. So um, we're going to look at a way to capture that in the survey next year. That sounds like a plan. If association executives take away just one thing from the 2020 report, what should that be? I think they should take away that, that they're really not alone. A lot of these challenges that we are finding coming up, whether it's, it's those related directly to COVID, which we looked at this year, or some of those that are just out there in the market in general, and, and challenges in communicating in a member-based organization and how you get in front of people when your your members, whether it's from you or from every other outside source, are being um, bombarded with with emails and with social media posts and all other communications and and the challenge being to rise above that. There are plenty of others to deal with those challenges, and there are groups out there every day who are finding really creative solutions to those problems. So stay connected with your fellow associations and and work together listen to each other, learn from each other, and, and we will all get through this together. Well, that is a great note to end on. Thank you so much again, Sarah, for joining us today and talking about this year's survey. I would like to remind all of our listeners to go to mailer.com forward slash benchmarking. Here you'll be able to download the report and go over in much more detail some of the topics that we discussed today. So thank you, Sarah, for joining us, and we look forward to our chat again next year. Thank you. Talk to you next year. That was a great conversation. I look forward to talking with Sarah on this episode every year because there's always so much to take away from the benchmarking report and apply to an association's communications, no matter your association's size, budget, location, or industry. Exactly. Me too. And while the report team does an excellent job each year of offering advice for association communicators, this year's recommendations are going to be so important as associations strive to prove their membership value and retain members through excellent communications. And just to recap, those five major recommendations are embrace new and innovative ways to engage, provide exceptional value in your content, make data-driven decisions, don't take your advertisers, sponsors, or exhibitors for granted. And finally, focus on what you do best and outsource the rest. Great recommendations. It was also good to hear that associations have already pivoted to relying upon webinars, social media, and virtual meeting platforms to continue carrying out their messages. 
I think we can all look at making it to the other side of the pandemic optimistically with these measures in place. During previous episodes, we've discussed the good things coming out of this pandemic, and this ability to rethink the way associations provide community is another great adjustment to these unique times. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, let us know. Email me at kclark at nailer.com with your details and your ideas for an episode. My email is spelled k-c-l-a-r-k at n-a-y-l-o-r dot com. Or you can message us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Advisor. That's A-S-S-O-C-A-D-V-I-S-E-R. If you'd rather stay behind the scenes but want to know more about a certain topic, submit your ideas to us and we'll work it into our lineup. Again, my email address is kclark at nailer.com. Thank you to Nailer Association Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. Visit nailer.com to learn how Nailer can strengthen your association. Thanks for listening. Until next time.